Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and this is a special episode of the podcast. On April 9th, Slovenian health tech community HealthDay.si and Faces of Digital Health organized a webinar about healthcare innovation funding in times of COVID-19. We asked for experts from Slovenia, Italy, Germany and Israel to join us in the discussion about the effects of pandemic on health tech business. What you will be able to hear is the webinar adopted for radio. The event itself had three parts. First, Levi Shapiro, Israeli investor, founder of MHealth Israel, made an overview of the current trends in health tech and his predictions from 2020 to 2025. Secondly, Nana Bita Ragim, digital health business architect, talked about new funding models in her title Collaboration, New Possibilities to Create, Co-Create and Rethink Healthcare Business. And then we continued with a debate about the impact of COVID-19 on health tech. I divided the webinar into podcast episodes. In the first one, you can listen to presentations of Levi and Nana. And in this second one, the panel discussion. The panelists were Giovanni Lozer, Italian investor and CEO of BioValley Investment Partners, Levi Shapiro, investor and founder of MHealth Israel, Nana Bita Ragim, physician scientist and digital health business architect from Berlin, and Slovenian healthcare executive Blas Triglo, CEO of Mediately, a startup offering 100,000 doctors in eight European countries clinical decision support tools in an app. You can find the summary of this whole webinar, including the webinar recording on our website, www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. The direct link is in the show notes. And next week, we will continue with our special series about digital therapeutics. So do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts to be notified about the upcoming episodes automatically. So Giovanni, let's start with you. Obviously, Italy was hit the hardest also because for four weeks, the epidemic went basically unnoticed or there wasn't such radical measures weren't taken as they were in other European countries that I think Italy was the primary example that made others realize that actions need to be taken quickly. What is the current state? Uh, what do you think can be learned from Italy? And uh, how is the whole situation there now? Basically, you are right. Uh, we have been a little bit slow at the beginning, but unfortunately, we were also the first. Uh, and even if now we assume to have reached the peak, which means uh, after probably two months and something, The main issue, and this is something that I would strongly suggest to other countries, was that uh, we were uh, aware to have a sort of very important uh, health system, so very widespread all over the territory. And in some way, we didn't realize that basically you don't just need an health system, you need within the health system a dedicated health system for an emergency like that. That's the reason why, especially within our hospitals or other structures that hosted the 
old people, there has been, uh, since the beginning, a total separation of uh, the uh, situation. There has been a lot of uh, cross-uncontained uh, virus infections, and this caused uh, an enormous problem uh, to be managed on the day on. So this is the first uh, feedback that I can give you. And the second one probably is that uh, still now we are not so ready to manage when an outbreak uh, is coming out. So there are a lot of numbers running away, death, new infected, uh, whatsoever, but uh, the capability to go straight exactly where you have to intervene immediately to contain a problem, this is still a problem. It's, I, I have to tell you that in a country like Italy with 60 million people, maybe it's not so easy. But these are the two main outcomes that I can tell you. Nana, uh, Germany has been in the news about coping the situation very well, that the number of deaths, relatively speaking, is very low. So what's your thought regarding that? Yes, we are currently uh, in a very dynamic situation and I think a lot of critical points was uh, raised in the previous weeks uh, that the healthcare system, even it was kind of starting and uh, be prepared in January, February for potential pandemics, it was still was quite slow and reaction is and basically starting the testing and uh, making the testing more available was uh, quite slow. But I have to say that Germany has, um, the, the point was, was uh, highly criticized in the previous years. The number of the intensive beds uh, per 100,000 uh, population was the highest number, I think, might be definitely in Europe because Germany has about 29,000 intensive uh, beds in uh, per 100,000 comparison to Italy, which has uh, 12.5 thousand. So now this capacity was increased up to the 40,000 beds. So that was uh, probably the critical point What before, which was criticized and was basically a negative feedback on the health uh, ecosystem. Currently, is a major benefit to provide very professional and high-quality um, emergency health and care. Also, the uh, situation with uh, ventilators and situation with suppliers as basically as was not so bad. So that means the new strategies and investment, especially uh, from research side in uh, uh, developing the diagnostic test and different diagnostic tests. We're talking about not just molecular diagnostic, but also ser- serological diagnostic antibody test is going quite well. In that case, probably that is the uh, outcomes what we see currently now. The current situation that 50,000 tests will be available per day in Germany. So they would love to, authorities would like to increase these numbers up to the 100,000. And I think the goal is to reach and to screen about a million population. So this data is quite essential, critical to understand the and predict the situation, economical situation, as everyone else is uh, waiting for, for this information and to basically give option uh, industry and companies starting working in and coming back uh, to normal. Regarding the, um, the industries and the trends, uh, I think um, I mentioned already the biotech and I think in terms of the it's not like a black and white situation. What we see, not everything is a good or, or bad. It's a kind of the situation where every company, every entrepreneur, every 
even the research center has to rethink, reorient and repurpose. They preserve strategies to find the best solution in that case. And I think for medtech, imaging technologies probably will be the best and leading uh, technologies in terms of investment and in terms of fundraising. I was thinking about EdTech. We didn't touch this point, but uh, the EdTech and applications, EdTech and medicine and currently uh, different technologies, which is ad hoc and offering um, to provide the very correct and uh, right knowledge to nurses and medical doctors. I think that was also one of the major problems at the beginning that the wrong communication and lack of education in that case was probably also hold the whole system in all countries, doesn't matter where it was, Germany, in Italy, in Spain. So that was one of the uh, barriers which we right now trying to uh, get over and to catch up with uh, that situation. Is there any effect of the law that was accepted last year in, in Germany? So the e-health law that's enabling faster adoption of digital health solution. Is that in any way helping in the faster spread of digital solutions? Yes, of course. So I think it's it's encouraging a lot of more um, companies. First of all, the early stage startups will probably will try to stay on business. It will be not, never be at the business as usual, but they will try to get a governmental uh, fund and help at least. But I think this situation accelerated implementation of the new digital law, which was taken in force at the beginning of this year. And that probably definitely will um, adapt and implement a lot of options and uh, regulations. Uh, There was a lot of discussions uh, regarding the insurance companies and the reimbursement models. uh, But now I think it's a lot of experiments and a lot of uh, situations will be just running in the last minute. Still, I have to say that still uh, some of the companies are fundraised and fundraised quite uh, nicely. So they're getting a very fast uh, track fundraising screening. And um, I was basically approached as a mentor of a couple of uh, startups in Europe. I was approached by... By several investors who were quite interested in uh, investing in uh, startups in Europe, uh, working on digital therapeutics or any kind of uh, telemedicine solution. Levi, how would you assess the way Israel approached the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, Israel is known for very rapid responses. You've got a lot of high-tech technologies. So what can you share? Well, Israel has been practicing social distancing with its neighbors for 72 years. So we're used to crises. We're used to responding in emergencies. We're also geographically uh, very small. And so there's the famous Milton Friedman quote about what ideas are handy in the time of a crisis. I would amend that. Uh, What startups are handy in the time of crisis? We talked about Taito earlier, a couple others, Datos and BioBeat. These were FDA-approved startups that were handy, that were already in the wild, and very quickly they were able to deploy. So we had some technologies to address COVID very readily available that you know basically provide the safety and efficiency uh, and didn't need to go through an extensive approval process. That's the winners, not necessarily frontier tech and the latest and greatest. And that's being applied relatively good outcomes here so far with COVID. With the one exception, similar to Korea, is uh, religious gatherings. The ultra-religious represent 12% of the population and 32% of the cases. 
because that's a very different uh, community to penetrate with uh, the messaging, as Nana said. I do want to just for a minute, um, I'm also an American and I, I wouldn't mind just uh, from the point of view of startups, uh, the United States is about half of global healthcare spend. And you know what I'm also hearing from the US is quite different. And I don't think the United States really is going to get out of this until there's a vaccine. So that will have an enormous impact for every startup because ultimately the United States is sort of the path to exit. A lot of the funding originates there. Three states, California, Massachusetts, and uh, New York represent 90% of, or more of uh, venture funding. And guess who's gotten hit the hardest? Those three states. So the money that's already in the pockets of existing funds They've got a lot of interest in, in deploying, uh, but I think that there will be far less new funds raised and um, a lot of money will be dedicated for follow-on rounds for existing portfolio. I mentioned Taito. Those were three new investors and they were institutionals. Insight only does growth stage, Qualcomm, corporate. They're used to doing C and D rounds. So you better conserve cash. It's all about free cash flow. Orient yourself for at least 18 months, if you can. Easy to say, right, from my comfortable little chair here in Tel Aviv, but try to conserve cash and plan for about 18 months, if possible, uh, because we're about to enter a real slow period for new funds. So Blash, are you doing what Levy said? So how are you as a CEO managing the crisis to enable the company to work uh, well in the near and farther future? And how is Slovenia, in your opinion, coping with COVID? Yes, we're doing exactly what Levy said. We basically got calls from all, all of our investors within a few days in the beginning of March saying, guys, get ready for a, a tough time. The healthcare crisis is going to last about a quarter, but the economic crisis is probably going to last more than a year, if not two years. So we very quickly absorbed that advice and uh, started looking into extending our runway so we, we are very quickly profitable and not reliant on additional fundraising. Because as Levy said, the, the economic situation is going to be pretty bad for the next year or two for startups, unless you're a telemedicine startup. But as, as we saw from the list that Nana and Levy were showing, there's about 30 or 40 companies doing that already with about a few hundred million in the in the pocket of advantage of anyone else who's trying to do that right now. In terms of Slovenia's response, um, I think we were, as most other countries except for Italy, quite lucky that we got the warning signs from Italy and we got these measures implemented, uh, relatively strict measures implemented relatively quickly. They've even made, been made more strict in the past two weeks so people can't leave their own city. We have we, There's an increased social distancing measure. We have to ma wear masks in public places indoors and so on. And people have been very kind of sticking to those rules quite well. We have 20 to 30 infections per day and we're doing quite a lot of testing as well. But those, that rate of infection has been relatively flat for the past two, two or three weeks. I think as in most other countries, people are getting rather anxious and uh, are kind of anticipating when the restrictions will be lifted. But I think that's generally true for everyone around the world. But I think we have a few more weeks of uh, sitting inside uh, ahead of us before we can ease restrictions a bit more easily. You have an app that's uh, direct to doctors. So it's actually direct to users, so which gives you a unique position in healthcare. How did you respond agilely 
to this crisis to aid doctors. Very early on, we realized that by having this access to these 100,000 doctors, we have a great opportunity to address their needs directly. But we really wanted to know what those needs were. So very early on, we launched a poll among our doctors. More than 10,000 doctors responded and they shared their needs and concerns. So all of our activities that we did stemmed from the answers that they gave us, what information they need, which support they need, and so on. So our first activities were directly at that. Um, We started developing clinical decision support algorithms about handling cases. That was the number one concern everybody expressed, how to handle potential cases. Then a lot of questions were were asked about how to use protective equipment, how much, how frequently to change it, and so on. So we shared the instructions on uh, using protective equipment directly in the app. We also explained current treatment options and published research that started coming in because there was a lot of misinformation in terms of which drugs are effective, which, which aren't. And still to this day, I think there's a lot of confusion in that area. And we used local information where possible because we didn't want to contradict local guidelines and create a mess that way. But in a lot of countries, local guidelines weren't available. So in that cases, we used international or European guidelines and translated it into seven languages because we already work with a network of medical translators and in the markets where we are. So we could quickly translate it into every language where we were present. And that was basically that. And every week we started, we followed up on what's still important, what's still missing and kept adding information. And we're doing this to the, to this day, right? So basically the focus was just asking doctors, what do they need? What are they worried about? And then addressing that as soon as possible, uh, but limiting it to share, uh, to credible and evidence-based information, because there was a huge amount of reliable and unreliable information floating about. And we just wanted to focus it on the evidence-based part for, for the doctors. The UK-based organization ORCA, which is a leading organization for review of apps, published results that there are over 500 apps that have COVID in them. And on March 13, I think 85% of those apps did not meet the requirements that Orca has to make them reliable. So I would suggest if anyone's looking for that to just go to Orca's website where they have apps that can be relied upon. I am now sharing the results of the poll that we did earlier. As you will see, we have a lot of companies that are coming from digital health, some of them from biotech, a lot of them from other industries that are not among the those mentioned in the poll. And regarding the expectations of, on the business in the next months, there's 30% of respondents said that they are suffering from decreased revenue. There's quite a lot that responded that there's an increased interest for their uh, product. Only 12% expect layoffs to ensure financial stability. And then if we just look also at uh, the question whether or not people think that funding will be harder to attract in the upcoming years for them specifically, so not in general, I must say I'm surprised because 35% of participants said that they do not uh, expect that. Most of the companies are based in Europe. We have some from the US and other countries. To our panelists, uh, Giovanni, if I were a startup, I would be interested in knowing what's your mindset uh, at the moment as an investor. Are you thinking the same way as investors were thinking in 2008 when the recession started? In the questions that we received prior to the webinar, some people asked us, when can they expect that investors would start assessing startups the same way as they did before the crisis. So what's your opinion at the moment? What can startups expect? 
My opinion is that in this period, I see uh, that uh, especially as regards uh, last crisis, uh, there are much more opportunities uh, and uh, the mood uh, as far as my position uh, as an investor, I tell you that uh, especially in our sector, which is health, uh, Italy is completely changing the rules of the game and now the possibility to invest in companies that normally have the usual problem not to be able to sell to the public sector. Today, these boundaries are completely open. And so if you can find really innovative things related to digital health, whatsoever, BOI tech, whatsoever, we think that today, especially for Italy, it's a booming situation. You need to select But uh, this kind of emergency, for the first time, changed the culture of uh, the so-called buyer of the products produced by the innovators. So this is very important because when you have to manage and uh, to invest in startups, sometimes it's difficult for them to present their business model, to present their products, their services. Today, the, the kind of attention that uh, the potential uh, buyers of what startups are offering is incredible high. And so this is a huge opportunity to invest money in very interesting initiatives and having a very fast return on what you're doing. So I think that it's a very different crisis. And this one has changed in favor of startup a lot, the possibility to be protagonist of the changing, this changing period, which is just amazing. That's it. Levi, would you share to add your comment? You already were very vocal about the situation in the US and expectations. There's no doubt that uh, some digital health startups are going to be the winners in this situation. However, there are smaller businesses and medtech companies that simply cannot afford to go three months without any internal income and are facing the threat of extinction. So what do you think regarding just the future and what can be done from their perspective? Uh, I don't think it's great news right now. We're about to um, see a global pullback. I agree that the health system is in a very unique position, as Giovanni mentioned. I'm quite bullish about the United States. I'm an American. You may be able to hear that. And, you know, my antenna are a little more sensitive to the United States. I would encourage all of the companies listening to perceive yourselves and create an infrastructure so that you are a services company, a services company and not leading with technology. I want to reemphasize Taito, some of the other companies that deployed quickly in Israel when there was need were selected because it didn't require extensive provider resources. They were selected and, and many U.S. Providers heard about these deployments and really did proactive outreach because those companies could quickly stand up a service. They were very attractive to uh, their customers. And so I would emphasize that if you're showing business plans that say stage one, stage two, stage three, we're going to be real valuable when we connect, collect enough data. You know, I, I, maybe it's time to go back to business school or do something else for a while because uh, you're not going to get funded if that's the plan. 
Plush, I want to turn to you at this point to be very practical because you're a startup. You already know how it is if you are expecting funding and don't get it or if you're searching funding and there's nothing on the horizon. What did you do when the crisis started? From purely from a practical standpoint, as soon as these things happened, uh, aside from going working remotely and so on, we took a look at all of our expenses and immediately called up any vendors that we saw that could potentially give us a discount, for example, on the rent, on other expenses that were tied to the office, on other services that were maybe, uh, let's say, advertising services. Because, for example, when we advertise, we advertise to doctors and more than 40, 50 percent of doctors right now aren't actively working in the clinic. So it's kind of a mismatch of trying to push them a clinical decision support tool to use in the clinic while they're while they're sitting at home. Right. So these are kind of the, let's say, non-essential expenses that we could cut. And that already got us to a level where we are not worried about our runway for the foreseeable next few months. That meant that we don't have to fire anyone. We don't have to put anyone on the on the waiting list. We don't have to cut salaries at this point. And if business continues relatively as it has in March and now looking in April, we won't have to do that. But I always try to prepare for a worst case scenario because if you don't, you're going to be very surprised when it hits, right? So when, when we were discussing these things, we also said, okay, Let's create kind of, we, we jokingly call it, we're all eating rats scenario, you know, where, where everything goes to hell and the economy falls by 20, 30%, because that's a realistic fear if this wouldn't be contained. We're talking about discussions we had weeks ago, right? And we created those scenarios. We said, okay, what do we need to do in that case to still maintain what we have right now? So no kind of no layoffs and so on. We created scenarios for all of those cases. And now we're just following along and seeing where we land on these curves, right? Right now it's looking okay. But as Levy kind of mentioned, the economic outfall still hasn't happened, right? That's still coming. The healthcare one has, but the economic one is coming. So it's just good for startups to be prepared. And I've talked to a lot of startups, which, you know, we have kind of sustainable revenue. We, we are creating our own revenue. So that wasn't so much of a problem for us. But a lot of startups are living month to month or are living fundraise to fundraise. And there, there have been layoffs immediately. There have been cuts, significant cuts immediately. So I think startups should be prepared to either make those moves now or not be surprised in two or three months when maybe they'll have to have to make them. So kind of prepare yourself for the worst. And if it's better than that, you're already doing uh, better than expected. I would now urge the attendees to ask some questions and just write them down in the chat if there are any. And uh, while you do that, Nana, perhaps a question for you. Very quickly, it became clear that in self-isolation, people are changing their habits in the health sense. A lot of people are stacking on comfort foods. We are using online deliveries in a higher matter than we did before. So uh, some predictions already say that because this pandemic is going to take a while, that big tech and telemedicine companies are going to be the winners also because the habits that consumers are adopting now are going to stick with them even when things turn to normal. So what's your expectation in that regard, especially in Europe, which has public healthcare systems and is adopting all the new technologies much, much slower than the US, for example, not to even mention Asia and uh, China, which are light years ahead in this sense, which is also why China was able to mitigate the crisis pretty well because they're so used to online to offline industries to work uh, well. 
in Germany, likely uh, and happily, we're learning very fast and learning by collecting the um, recent experiences. And I think the if I would be investor and if I would uh, choose the area to invest, I will definitely will go with the well-being and wellness uh, industry, which is very close to mental health and digital health, because I think this is like Giovanni and other panelists mentioned, the opportunity are coming are really huge. We can't estimate this opportunity at the, the current stage because the situation is still kind of unstable. But opportunities, especially in uh, mental well-being, in um, um, education, in uh, e-learning, and in everything applying to health for health technologies for healthcare is a huge and in that case i think these applications and we're changing our culture so i just um, can mention that the the most famous uh, situation in germany where the privacy routes were very put on on and the major um, restrictions uh, to adopt uh, some technologies currently just i think a few days ago the research center robert koch institute launched an app and encouraged everyone a surveillance app which will just follow the mobility of population and encourage everyone to share the data means that everyone can share their fitness track data to enable uh, the authorities to track the you know the population and how they are mobile in that case this is a fantastic example of uh, adaptation how fast we can adopt how fast we can just go over the rules how fast we can develop of the new rules and the new culture and the new mindset. So, but wellness and well-being, um, and especially with application to mental health, would be basically one of the winners in that situation. Uh, Levi, we have a question for you, and that is related to China and the trends in digital health there, especially digitizing traditional Chinese medicine. If you have any insight in that regard, otherwise we're also going to find the answer after this webinar and we are planning to prepare a report which all the participants are going to receive. China underinvests in their health system. We talked about the potential implications. I think politically there are enormous implications globally. China currently um, has an aging population and only somewhere around four and a half to five percent of GDP is dedicated to healthcare, which is completely misaligned with the rapid economic growth. And I think One of the outcomes from this crisis in China is there will be a massive investment in sort of elevating the level of infrastructure for uh, China to make it commensurate with its basically first world economy. Specifically related to traditional Chinese medicine, I I really don't have an informed answer. Until now, I would have uh, been very reluctant to encourage startups to undertake entering the Chinese market. But we will see in terms of global dollars, just a massive amount of investment going towards the Chinese healthcare system. Politically also, again, I feel like I'm uh, Mr. United States over here, but every election since 2010 has been about healthcare in the United States. And this one will absolutely be about healthcare. And that could have tremendous implications for startups because it is such a dominant market. So Somebody asked a question online, uh, it must be a terrible time to start a company. I think the opposite. I think 
Starting a company is extremely capital efficient. It's a very difficult time to be investing in scaling a company and hiring and paying sales staff. So um, go ahead and start companies, please. This is a great time. But just be cognizant of what the next five years will look like and don't start a company that would have been a huge success in 2016. Think of what type of company the world needs in 2025. Does any of the panelists have any additional feedback regarding the whole topic or anything else that you would like to add or tell our participants before we wrap up? Maybe I'll just reiterate what Levi said. It's actually a very good time to start a startup because a lot of the world is going to change in the next few years and those opportunities are visible now. If you follow the trends, you're going to be in the right position in two or three years when the economy kicks back up to rise that wave. Uh, we started our startup shortly after the, the first crisis uh, in 2008. It hit Slovenia most severely in 2011 and that's when we started and it's been the right decision because it makes you capitally efficient, it makes you realize that there's no free lunch and it makes you focus more on the value you're delivering less than on the free capital that's been flowing through the startup world in the past uh, few years. And I would like to just briefly address the, one of the questions which I've seen in chat about the uh, the use of and applications of telemedicine at home. Of course, we have already um, some potential winners and um, the companies which are currently on the market and European market, like a Cree company from Sweden, it was uh, extended to Germany and currently everyone uh, has these free services regarding the COVID-19 situation and, and other companies which I mentioned already and then we have also uh, Ada Health it's a symptoms checker so we have uh, actually a lot of uh, access to telemedicine solutions currently on the market and it's just the way how we can uh, use how we can apply and then uh, just the, the market uh, offers a lot of um, options a lot of opportunities and I think it's, it's I completely agree with everyone else you just have to be very focused and selective what area you're going to start and then what market you will bring your your product but uh, it looks not that bad as we third but regarding the future i think the whole for me it's uh, it's a question of the forecast and the future predicting so i think the uh, a lot of things will be going about the predicting the the next steps but at the same time we should accept the wild cards we should accept the some unexpected situations uh, which will definitely change our gameplay you also received another question nana so how successful is the collaboration between private and public sector in using telemedicine app specifically triage for covid19 if you have any information currently uh, i think it's everything in, in dynamics so currently uh, i cannot uh, come up with the example in telemedicine but the private public partnerships are quite uh, essential and quite successful. From my perspective, the European Institute of Technology and with their arm in health has a lot of uh, interesting programs, which uh, it's basically, it's a private public organization, which supports a lot of uh, startups uh, working in uh, 16 European countries, including Israel since last year, and uh, supporting with uh, interesting uh, program to accelerate and to catalyze this innovation and uh, in three different areas, medtech, health tech, uh, digital health and biotech. And that probably one of the successful examples which are existing on the market, but not specifically telemedicine. For telemedicine, I think probably I would expect that would come new associations, new private public uh, organizations with a focus on telemedicine, obviously. 
You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you liked the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. And visit our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com to browse other episodes or get in touch. Every comment is a fuel for this show. Thank you.